right, guys. Well, it is good to be back with everybody again. I know it's been a little bit. We had a little bit of bad weather, but we're back at it now. So, uh, but since it's been a little while since we've talked to each other, I'd like to go ahead and do a little bit of a recap on the series that we're working through right now. Uh, when I'm here on Wednesday nights, we're working through the book of Colossians. So we've taken a couple of lessons to look at that book already. Uh, just a little bit of, of background to run through real quick. This book is written by the Apostle Paul from prison to the church in Colossae, which he does not know. Uh, he does not have pre-established relationships with these church members. Uh, he does so for several reasons, mainly to establish sound teaching. We talked about uh, Jesus last time, to refute errors, which is a section of the book that we're about to get to, uh, and as well to give them direction on living faithful Christian lives. Uh, last time we were together, we talked about the section that Paul had on Jesus. We talked about how that section was divided up into who Jesus was and what he has done. Just to kind of jog your memory, some of the things that we talked about, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the creator, the head of the church, etc. Uh, we also talked about how Jesus died to reconcile us to a God that we were separated from by our sins. I think that's a great place for the apostle to start. He's laid us a good foundation. And that kind of brings us to the last section of chapter 1. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about Paul's ministry. So if you would, go ahead and if you will turn to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 24. And while you're heading that way, if you would, stand with me in the honor of reading God's word. We are going to read Colossians chapter 1. Verses 24 to 29. So starting in verse 24, the Apostle Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. So we're just going to go verse by verse just like we normally do. Uh, Paul's message for us today is about the subject of his ministry. And it's this kind of thing right here that really makes me like going verse by verse through a book of the Bible like we're doing here, like we're doing on Sunday morning. Uh, I don't know if I was preaching topical sermons if I would ever preach a sermon on the subject of Paul's ministry. But it's the kind of thing that we do need to talk about. It, it's talked about extensively in Scripture. And he tells us a lot right here about what God has given him to do. Uh, he begins by telling the Colossians that he rejoices in his suffering for them. And I think that we need to talk a little bit about Paul's suffering. Uh, specifically, before we talk about him rejoicing in his suffering, I want to talk to you about the extent to which Paul suffered. Uh, he talked about it in another one of his letters, the book of 2 Corinthians, uh, several times. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 
verse 23. And I want to read you guys just a few verses real quick to describe to you some of the troubles the Apostle Paul had during his ministry. And he's talking about the false apostles here, as they, in verse 23. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things that comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble, and I do not burn with indignation. All right, so some, uh, in response to some of the false apostles that Paul was talking about there, he says he's going to speak as a fool. Uh, he's almost being forced to speak in a way that's uh, not humble. Uh, like he almost has to brag a little bit. He's not happy about it, but he has to present uh, what exactly is going on here. And he, compa- uh, compared to them, he says, has been in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure. In prisons more frequently. Uh, He gives us a description of all the suffering that he went through, which is important because of what our main text says about this passage. He says five times he received 40 minus one lashes. Uh, That that means uh, the limit that they were allowed to to beat somebody was 40 lashes. They would take one away just to make sure that they didn't go over. Uh, That was very merciful of them, obviously. And that happened to him five times. I think once would probably be enough for me. It says he was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he was adrift at sea, he was in perils from from nature, from people, he lacked basic needs, he was in constant anxiety for the sake of the church on top of all of these things. Uh, Paul's ministry was no cakewalk. Uh, Reading about it almost makes you think about some of the things that that we complain about. Uh, It certainly made me think about some of the things that I complain about. Uh, But what did he say in his main text about his suffering? He says he rejoices in his suffering. It even says after that, he fills up in his flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Uh, So real quick, what what does that mean? Uh, It does not mean that Christ's sacrifice was insufficient to pay for our sins. Uh, That's not what he's talking about uh, is lacking. Uh, He's already told us that Jesus' death is what reconciles us to God. Uh, But Paul, being a child of God, was united with Christ. Uh, And he takes his suffering here, and he identifies his suffering with the suffering of Christ. Uh, Many commentators have different ideas about exactly what Paul is talking about. Uh, Some point to the fact that he endured many of the same kinds of suffering as Christ, uh, in the opposition he faced, the persecution he endured. Uh, Others point out his suffering was for the the church, to build it, to grow it. Uh, And in doing this, he was clearly doing God's work. Whatever Paul is talking about right here, his suffering, he says, brought him rejoicing. His suffering was done on behalf of the church, for the good of the churches. In another place in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he says, I have great pride in you. I am filled with comfort. 
In all our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Now, that is just almost a strange thing to say. In all of his affliction, he is overflowing with joy. The only way that I can understand this is Paul has an entirely different mindset about the suffering that he's going through uh, that one of us might have in the suffering that we're going through. Uh, Paul knows that God can bring good out of the troubles he's talking about. He looks at suffering and difficulties in an entirely different way than we do. In another place in Philippians 1.29, Paul says, It is granted to you for the sake of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer for his sake. Uh, he speaks of it as a privilege. Uh, in Philippians 1.12, he says that the things that have happened to him have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. That God has used these things to spread the gospel further and wider than he ever would have without them. Uh, and Paul said in Galatians 6, he bore in his body the marks of Jesus. Paul's ministry was suffering, but that never stopped his rejoicing. Now I want to see in, in our main text in verse 25, we're told that Paul is a minister according to the stewardship of God. Uh, and I just want to note real quick Paul's humility. Uh, this is something that has always struck me about his writings. Paul is unbelievably humble. Uh, he's somebody who always speaks of himself in the lowliest possible way. Do you know what a minister is? Do you know what that word means? Minister means servant. Paul is taking himself and identifying himself as a servant. That's how he saw himself. Uh, kind of along the same lines, uh, I want to read 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2 real quick. It says, Let a man so consider us, this is how you ought to think of Paul, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Uh, what Paul wanted was to be viewed as a servant of God, the servant of God that God had ordained him to be. He clearly put Christ's glory before his own. Uh, he also here identifies himself as a steward. Uh, this was a, a great privilege of Paul's. A steward is a servant who manages the master's estate. Uh, uh, we can think of managing his household. Well, what is God's household? It's the church, right? Paul has been put in charge of managing God's household. It tells us a very important quality about receiving such a privilege, that the most important thing about being given this stewardship was his faithfulness to the master that had given it to him. He also tells us in verse 25 about the purpose for which God had given him this stewardship. He says, from God which was given for me for you to fulfill the word of God. Uh, to fulfill the word of God is to make it fully known. Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles. You can read all through the Bible, all over the book of Acts. Paul is traveling from town to town, city to city. He's going on missionary journeys, spreading the gospel all over the world. Uh, and you can read in other places about how deeply he taught some of the churches that he was with. In Acts 20, 27, Paul tells the Ephesians, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Uh, in doing so, he has fulfilled the word of God. In 2 Timothy 4.2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. And it is obvious that Paul took his own advice. He was given his ministry for their benefit. It was for the Colossians and other Gentiles that Paul had been imprisoned in the first place. Uh, 
God through him brought great fruit through his stewardship. Uh, And I think as a point of application, we should always keep in mind that God can do the same thing through us today if we'll have the same kind of faithfulness that Paul had here. Now, in verse 26, Paul begins a discussion about the mystery that has been hidden through the ages. You see in verse 26, it says, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So, biblically speaking, when you see the word mystery, what what does that mean? Uh, Mystery is just something that was hidden in the past that's not hidden now. It was unknown at that point in time. Now it's been manifest, it's been revealed, we know it, we see it. Paul is preaching it, right? So uh, mystery is not a a puzzle or something along those lines. That's the main takeaway that I want us to have right there. Uh, And that brings up an important point. God's revelation in the Bible is progressive, right? It, It takes place over time. There was a time where they didn't know all of the things that we know now. Uh, We know all manner of things that they didn't know 2,500 years ago, for example. Um, We need to be thankful for the time that we live in. Uh, Can you imagine God has given us so much? I mean, I just look at this thing sometimes and I think there's, there's no way that any human being could ever master this thing. There's no way that you could ever exhaust this thing. The amount that we have been given in the time that we live in should bring us to thank God. And in verse 27, the mystery is identified as Christ in you. Right? The, the Messiah would personally dwell with each of us. In another passage we're going to read, uh, the mystery is identified as Jews and Gentiles coming together in the same body. That there's no distinctions. That everyone is one in Christ Jesus. And you can see how that would be important to Paul. I'm going to go ahead and read that. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 3, where Paul says, How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all to see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So we learn here how are mysteries made known by God's revelation. All people can be heirs through the gospel. And through Christ, we can all receive God's promises. We can have, as it says in verse 8, the unsearchable riches of Christ because the mystery has been made known. Uh, Because of what we read about right there, we're told in Mark 16, 15 to preach the gospel to all creatures. Uh, We're told that uh, this mystery has been revealed by the commandment of God to bring about the obedience of faith. God has a purpose in what he has done. Uh, And going to verse 27, it says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So he says, to them. Who is them? It's to his saints. All the people, all, all of the people who are believers. There's no special classes. This is for 
everyone. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a place right there. He says he wanted to make known the riches of the glory that's bound up in this mystery, to make it manifest the effect that it would have upon the nations. And I'm going to read another section out of Ephesians 3. It says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Uh, and I just wanted to read this passage real quick because it's, just, it's similar to what we just talked about. Paul is praying for the Ephesians' welfare. Uh, and one interesting thing that I thought about this passage is it tells us one of the ways that Jesus dwells with his people. He says, in their hearts through faith. Uh, and there are other ways that we'll see about as well. But we need to know that the riches of his glory are available to us all. Uh, we, verse 27 tells us that the mystery has been revealed as Christ in us. Now, I want to talk about that for a minute. The mystery is that Christ is in us. Uh, in the Old Testament, God often dwelled among His people. Uh, but this is something that goes well beyond God dwelling among His people. Uh, he even dwelt in some people, but those were often temporary and they were only certain individuals. What we're talking about here is not temporary. And it is not just certain people. Uh, Romans 8 tells us that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. 1 Corinthians 3-16 tells us, Do you know that you are God's temple? That means that God's presence is in you because God's Spirit dwells in you. His very presence is with every believer. That is the message that Paul is preaching. What, what an important message that that is. Christ being in us, being filled by the Spirit, tells us uh, in 1 John 4, 4 that we can overcome. It says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, and we just learned who that is, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In John 17, Jesus uh, makes the Father's name known that love may be in us and that Christ himself may be in us. This should change everything about how we act, how we live, how we think. In Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says, It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And we're also told that Christ is in you the hope of glory. Jesus is our hope. Uh, that's what we're told in 1 Timothy 1.1. Uh, in Ephesians 1, we're told, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And going on, I want to talk about verse 28 just a little bit. It says, Him we preach, that's Christ, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Paul made it his business to instruct every man. And he gives us two elements of that instruction right here. He says he taught people and he warned people. Uh, teaching people is building them up. It's bringing the scriptures to them. It, it, it's helping them to learn and grow in their faith. Warning them is, is about uh, admonishing them, maybe rebuking them a little bit, maybe bringing some uncomfortable truths to light that need to be brought to light. Uh, one commentator I thought was a little bit comical said uh, that warning right here means telling people that sin is bad and hell exists. So if you, you start right there, I'd say that that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good start. 
But he did this to every man. And I know that that's something we've already talked about a little bit, but it's a point that needs hammered home. It does not matter if the person sitting in this church is rich or poor. It doesn't matter if they're black or white. It doesn't matter if they're male or female, Jew or Gentile. Everybody can be told about their Savior. Everybody can be told that they can have eternal life if they will have it. And Paul believed that all of those people deserve to be taught and to be warned to be presented perfect in Christ. That's what he tells us. This is the second time he's told us this in this series. This is only the third sermon. Uh, In verse 22 he said, "...in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight." Do you think this is something that is important to Paul? Paul cares about the sanctification, the lives, the maturity of every believer. Uh, looking at the same concept elsewhere in Scripture, Romans eight twenty nine says, Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That means to be made into the image of Christ, to be made Christ-like. 1 John 2, 6 gives us the responsibility of walking the same way that Christ walked. It says, Whosoever says he abides in him ought also to walk as he walked. I want to read another passage real quick on this. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. says, Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God. In Christ Jesus. So Paul himself was not perfect. Uh, Did Paul draw the conclusion from that that, okay, well, I'm just not even going to try? Uh, That is the exact opposite of what Paul said. Uh, Instead, he pressed on. He said, forget the things that are behind. Reach forward to what is ahead of you. Press toward the goal for the prize. Paul was straining, working, pressing to be the very best that he could be, to do all that he should do. That should be our mentality. We should serve Christ to the absolute very best of our ability. And someday we will receive the prize that Paul talked about right there. Now, I'll admit you don't run the race of life to earn your way into heaven. Obviously, I know we've said that a thousand times before. We'll probably say it a thousand times again. But just because you're not running to earn your way into heaven doesn't mean that you shouldn't run at all. You can still run. Uh, And looking at our last verse of the day, verse 29... It says, To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Uh, It's an interesting verse. There's some interesting truth in this verse. Paul says that he labored mightily. Right? That means he worked hard. He strove with all he had. We know Paul was willing to confront any opposition, deal with any persecution. Uh, That laboring that he was talking about, he says, is working according to he which works in Paul. So ultimately God is the one that is working through Paul. Ultimately, God is the one who is working in Paul. And I know there's been several. I want to read one more to you. This is an important passage right here. Philippians chapter 2. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
So he's again, he's talking about our sanctification, our maturing, our growing in the faith. He tells us it is God who works in us to will and to do for his glory. Uh, is that not comforting? Is that not assuring, empowering? It's not, it's not how strong is Hunter. It's not how much good things Hunter can pile up or how strong Hunter's will is. God is the one who is working. And we can trust him to do exactly what he needs to do. Now, that's an idea that Paul likes to say an awful lot in another passage, 1 Corinthians 15.10. He talks about uh, how hard he has worked, but that it is not him working. It is the grace of God that is in him. He always gives all of the glory to God. Uh, to recap today the ministry of Paul, this was a man who rejoiced in his suffering on the behalf of the church, who had a perspective that reminded him that God worked in difficult situations. A man who was a servant according to the stewardship of God who fulfilled the ministry that he was given, spreading and teaching the word. He made Christ known to those who God sent him to and he warned and taught every man to present them perfect in Christ. We can learn from Paul and his ministry. You, you don't have to be a pastor to learn from Paul. Uh, we need to rejoice in the bad times just as much as Paul does. We should always remember the love that God has for us and the fact that He is working in all things. We need to fulfill whatever ministry God has given to us, whatever that may be. It does not have to be preaching. You have gifts, and this church needs you. You need to fulfill whatever ministry God has given to you. We need to be humble regardless of our gifts. Paul, a truly great apostle, it would be difficult to find a man who was more humble. We need to minister indiscriminately to all people, all of God's people. All of them deserve to be presented perfect in Christ someday. And we need to rely on God for our strength the same way that Paul did. I hope that was helpful to you guys. That's all I have for you today. Now, if you would, bow with me. We're going to pray out for the day. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, again, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. I thank you for all of the scriptures that we've read today. I pray that you would use them to draw us, to teach us, to help us to grow in our faith. And Lord, I just ask that you would be with each and every person that's here today. Uh, lead them, guide them, keep them safe. Bring them back at the next appointed time. I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.